Welcome to the Badass Reset Club, a special place where if you've lost your way, girl, we're here to help guide you back. Those club doors are opened up wide so we can discuss all things fitness, nutrition, body composition, hormones, menopause, beauty, headspace, and more. Hey there, my name's Heather. I'm a fitness expert, nutrition coach, autoimmune athlete, mom of three pretty cool kids, and married to one handsome firefighter. I started this club because after years of over-exercising, under-fueling, gaining weight, dealing with Hashimoto's disease, and experiencing hormones gone crazy, I knew there had to be a better way. So come on in, badass. Let's hit that reset together. Hey, hey, we are back with another show today, and I have someone that my listeners are probably just chomping at the bit, ready to listen to. We have Dr. Maria Luque on today, and she is a fitness expert. She's a health science professor, education content developer, menopause expert. Did we hear that? Yes, we did. And a busy mother. She's passionate about sharing knowledge and helping women lead healthier, happier lives. After serving in the U.S. Air Force, where she was serving as a fitness program manager, she pursued her PhD in health sciences and conducted a research study on the effects of physical activity on the quality of life through the menopausal transition. Thank you. With 20 years of hands-on fitness experience and over 10 years on focusing on menopause, she brings extensive knowledge to all aspects of fitness and menopause, specifically as it relates to quality of life. She's the founder of Fitness in Menopause, a company dedicated to helping women navigate the challenges and rewards of menopause. She holds both graduate and postgraduate degrees in health sciences and certifications as Certified Health Education Specialist, ACE Certified Personal Trainer, and ACE Fitness Nutrition Specialist. Her course, Menopausal Fitness, Training the Menopausal Client is a NASM, AFAA, and ACE-accredited continuing education course for fitness professionals. She teaches at the College of Health and Human Services at Trident University International and is a freelance writer and content developer for companies interested in helping the menopausal community. And so like you might want to rewind that, listen to it again, because she's coming to us today chock full of helpful information. And we're going to keep it real. Welcome to the show, Dr. Maria Luque. Hello, Heather. I am so excited to be here. I love your energy. So I'm super (laughs) excited to talk to you and actually meet you. You know, we all meet online and we see each other, but this is special. Yeah. The power of social connections. So social media can have some really good positive benefits. We can support each other and learn from each other and really cool when we get to connect. I am just, I'm floored that you're here because I know that this is a very hot topic and it's not just because I'm in the middle of it, but it's a hot topic. Everywhere you look right now is menopause. And so like, let's back up and you've been in this for quite a while, doing this for quite a while, like before it was trendy, right? So what got you involved in it? Well, I mean, it is, you're absolutely right. I want to say the I'm uh, thrilled that we're talking about it more, but I'm also incredibly frustrated. Now everyone wants a piece of this multi-billion dollar market, right? Of menopause. Finally, people realize, ooh, there's money to be made. So we're going to be sold a lot of that. So, and you're right. I've been around 
for way longer before this topic was even on anybody's radar. And it really was organic. I was finishing my PhD studies and I needed to pick a dissertation topic. And I just decided to look around and I was already working with women exclusively. And I was working with mostly middle-aged women. Not This wasn't my niche at that point yet. Yeah, But that's just who was there and the experience that I had with people talking to me about their menopause experience. And this was over 10 years ago, um, 12 years ago that I started my dissertation and I wasn't anywhere near. I was going to say, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're not seeing it on YouTube, you're going to be like, hold up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I up. wasn't I wasn't there, but I am now fully boarded on the roller coaster that is. Yes. <laughs> but it was just I wanted to to create something. I wanted to do something that was meaningful. And so I had these women in my life. I thought, why am I not doing a study on this? And given this is a qualitative study, so it's not quantitative, but it was a lot of asking and I had to survey, you know, I, I talked to a lot of women about their experience. Mm -hmm. And my focus was quality of life. And that is kind of like what has the entire time kind of like I focus even now, hyper-focused now actually on quality of life. And I want to make that distinction because it wasn't about fitness or specific fitness program and menopause. It was about finding out if women that are active have a better experience or what their experience is compared to women that may not be as active or fit. Can't and wait so, to hear this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, my my results at that point, and again, this is a small study by one person, right? It was that most women, the quality of life was better for women that did moderate exercise, not right. high intensity or low intensity. They just reported a higher quality of life. And there is an, there's enough research to support that, those results that women that have more of a moderate approach to fitness, have report a higher quality of life. Now, again, quality of life, which is, is very subjective. But it was that, I have to say, I didn't go into the study thinking that that was going to be the outcome because I'm all about, I've worked out most of my life. I've been a fitness enthusiast my entire life. I thought, you know, the more you work out, the better you're going to feel. It's just how it is. So that was surprising to me. Uh, when that came out. And so I had to do kind of like a double take. They're like, oh, moderate activity. What does that, what is that? Yeah, I'm a very yeah. fast and furious kind of person. So I didn't understand. Moderation is not something I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better at it now, but I didn't. And so it was a little bit of a wake up call. I'm like, but there's got to be something to this. Mm-hmm. And so I have highly focused the last decade on trying to figure out what how movement fits into menopause. And that is still where I'm going. And for just from a quality of life perspective, there's a lot of the talk about the heavy lifting and, and it's very important, but my work is it bases on fitness and movement, but it goes beyond that because I think that we can't just do one block because otherwise we leave a whole population of women out that aren't fitness enthusiasts. Agreed. Yeah. And maybe that's where like as a personal trainer and nutrition coach, like maybe that's where I'm a little more hyper-focused on, but it's different modalities. And it's also not doing the same thing over and over every day because that will completely decimate you quickly. But I'm I'm so curious too, like 
for today and you sharing with us about quality of life. Like, let's talk about the parameters where how we even begin to look at, like, what are we looking for when we're talking about quality of life? How do we measure that? Well, that is a fantastic question because quality of life is incredibly subjective. But as women, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about what improves our quality of life or what makes it worse. So for instance, for some people, going on a run is is quality of life. Like that's where they clear their head. That's where they get the thing. You couldn't pay me to go on a run. I really just don't <laughs> like running. The thought of going for an hour to run somewhere has never been appealing to me. It's just not I, as I said, as I'm more of a, I like high intensity, I like it short, I like it efficient. It's always been like that. I like though, I can go to a coffee shop and spend whatever, $8 on a cup of coffee that I could get anywhere else, but then sit down and do research. And that to me is quality of life. To other yeah. people, it's ludicrous. It was like, why don't you just get, make your coffee at home and sit at home with your internet? Because that is not the same. So those are the comparisons, the same as Some people love the high intensity aspect and some people don't. One of the things that I do when I first start out working with clients and and also I have a masterclass where I hyper-focus on that as well of just what is it that is important to you? Because we need to start learning to tune out all the messages that are being thrown at us. And we're trying, we're, we're starting to learn to ignore our own wisdom Mm -hmm. We have learned over five decades of being alive, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and that's what it comes down to. So quality of life isn't something that is where there's, there are scales, but that is something that's, that you as, as an individual person have to sit down and just really take account. And that is very hard because. I was just going to say, do you find that difficult? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I'm working with women and most of them are, some of them are still perimenopause. Most of them are, are postmenopausal women. Like trying to figure out what their true goal is. You know what 99% say when they come in. I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Well, why? <laughs> because then what? Because then what? Because then what? And I kind of like to do the five deep. Like you've got to think about it and you've got to think about it four more times and come up with the real reason that you want to do this. And that probably is the quality of life. Like if they... They think that if they lose weight, they're going to be happy. Well, no, happiness is going to come from another source, right? Most of the time. Feeling good in your body is one thing, but why? (laughs) And so I think it is difficult. We can't wrap our brains around what is our quality of life because maybe it's comparisonitis that we think we're supposed to be doing something that someone else is doing, or we just really haven't invested the time into that. I don't know. What do you think about that? Why is it so hard? Oh, no, I think it's... Everything you said right there is completely right. Both of those things are right. I think we are more and more conditioned to take outside advice Mm -hmm. because it's accessible. I actually just, my newsletter went out today. And one of the topics that I talk about is data overload, information overload. We are so inundated in getting information Mm -hmm. to where we don't feel that we have to find answers within ourselves. Because that is time consuming. Sitting down and taking account is uncomfortable. It's the same as going to therapy, right? It is very, it works, but it works because you actually do the work. Doing the work. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. But it is uncomfortable. You know, I, by the time we are, I'm 49 now, is like by the time we are 
our age, when we go through menopause, we have had so many experiences. And I know that for a lot of women, there may be that fear to once you start actually digging into why your goals are to lose weight or why your goal is to something else, that it will unearth something that you're not quite ready to face. Yep. And that has, we have to be mindful of that. And I, you can't make someone self-explore, but learning how to safely do that within a certain parameter. I'm not a therapist and I don't claim to be one. And we do have to be careful about that because self-reflection can, right? It's like when we go- It can open, yeah. Like for instance, body image issues. Body image is very, very dear to my heart. And because I've, I have had struggles my entire life and I still to this day have those nasty thoughts, but learning how to manage those is incredibly important. Now, when, when I first start working with women on that issue as well, then it becomes this- untangling of, well, I've always, my parents, my mom, who hasn't had that experience? My mom used to talk about her own body or diets or this or family members. And you've always been complimented on when you lost some weight or you have, it goes very, very deep. Or how you looked. Yeah, exactly. So that untangling of that, we've been conditioned. So deconditioning takes just as much time and, and people aren't ready to do the work because there's easy solutions thrown at them on their phone, on their Apple Watch, on their whatever. So it's like we're getting all this random data, the glucose monitoring devices, like there's people that are decked out in data. <laughs> yep. So then it's, those are the answers to them. Well, now I have a lot of answers, but my question is always, what are you going to do with those, all that data? What? Yeah, what, yeah. Yeah, I actually had to get rid of one of my devices that I loved so much because it was navigating my day (laughs) when similar to like, if you got on a scale in the morning and it wasn't the number you thought, and then like, you're like pissed for the day, but this would tell me my recovery. And if I wasn't recovered and I thought I was recovered and I had plans with friends to go do like an epic three hour bike ride in the mountains, then I'd be like, Oh, my body's not ready. Therefore I'm not going to perform. Therefore I'm not. And even if I felt good, I went off the stupid thing and I finally had to just say, uh-uh, no, mm-hmm. I've got to control the shots, not the thing I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, it's so powerful what you said, because I've had the same thing and we probably were wearing the same device, <laughs> but it was, I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't actually take account of how I felt until mm-hmm. I, my data uploaded and I'm like, oh, it's a great night of sleep or, oh no, it wasn't. What am I yeah. going to do now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine that stress that we put on ourselves in for something that is sold to us as a help, right? True. It's supposed to help you. All this data, like the more you know, the better it is. But then we have this overload because now, well, if you do, what was that? There's devices that analyze your breath to tell you how food should be consumed. All of those things where you now, the stress factors become different because now you're making decisions based on a device that is inaccurate to begin with. And that doesn't, it just doesn't give you a whole health approach, like that whole person approach. You're so stressed out over it. Now you have another layer instead of just getting rid of all that output or input from the outside and taking a moment, taking a breath and saying, okay, let's just check in where we are. And, you know, meditation is really great for that, but it comes in many forms. It could be going and sitting down with your girlfriends or doing like those moments where you can have some self-reflection doesn't have to be all by yourself. Right. Um, right. And so that becomes really critical. And I think it becomes more critical now in menopause 
due to the fact of what I mentioned earlier, it's going to get harder because the information and disinformation and confusing information will double up in the next year, even probably closer to that. And the more you talk about it and the more you follow people, you know how it is. It's now yeah. suddenly getting all the ads for all the things. Yep. And it sounds really good. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. I, even my own clients will send me stuff of like, hey, should I try to look at this? And it's, I just went through this yesterday with someone and it's it's like, there will always be the new thing. Mm-hmm. But what really works is just the basics of figuring out how to eat so that you feel good and perform well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the, <laughs> but is it new, right? That's the other question because it's not new. All of this we've already been through. We've gone through the, the what used to be the fat-free, what used oh, to I know. be all of those things, the carb-free, the, the, all of these, it's yeah. just another, they put another different lipstick on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You outfit and now it's menopause care and now it's all being sold again under the umbrella of like menopause wellness. But it's the same, it's the same spiel. It's the same message that there's something that you can do and here it is and there's a menopause protein powder. I mean, when I saw that advertisement, I almost... Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, should I try it? <laughs> well, now it'll pop up on it'll your phone. It'll pop up. Yeah. yeah freaky. Uh, it is. It was power protein powder and it was solving all your problems, right? On that bag, it said it. And it's going to because women in menopause, we are, we get to a point sometimes where we're just desperate. Throw your hands up. I know. I know. I mean, to be honest, I don't know if I've ever slept through the night in my whole entire life. Like even as a child, I, I woke up. But the... The contemplating life at 3 a.m. is getting really old. And I do all the things that I know how to do. It's just, it's my body doing what it's doing. And hopefully it won't be that way forever. Although my 82-year-old mother is the same way still. So (laughs) chances are, yeah, it's tough. I think it's tough. And you and I touched base just a little bit before we came on here that unfortunately we are being sold from different places that there are fixes. I don't think there are fixes. I think that there's things that can help remedy. And I also think having the support within your community, within your your girl tribe, within your family, within wherever it is, is helpful. What do you think about that? Like, We know that there's not an easy fix for how some women are really struggling with sleep or their their body image. What can we do? What do you think we can do? Well, you're absolutely right about the community aspect, right? I think it is important to have people that you can talk to about this and women that may have gone through the same experience or not. Either way, it's just the community aspect is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. You are right that certain things we just can't change. Like you said, I am actually, I've also been always a pretty bad sleeper, but it is very different to wake up with hot flashes. It's much more disruptive than just not sleeping well. Yeah, there's that too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. So it's it's not the oh you're used to it. It just is so disruptive. Mm -hmm. But there are things that can be treated. There are things that are helpful. We do know that there's hormone therapy for certain things. Like find a good menopause practitioner. There are. I've been open about my first symptom was anxiety. I had it just came out of nowhere. I've never had a history of it. And it just took me by surprise. Although I've lived menopause for, I've studied it for a decade by that point. So it's just to say that just because you're 
knowledgeable and you're fit and you're whatever, all these other things that people say you should do, like educate yourself more, work out more, eat healthily, like those kinds of things. And then menopause will be a breeze. That's just a lie that we're being told because it's not true. The fittest women that are the healthiest, whatever that means, and are the most educated can still go through the worst time in menopause, but the attitude does have a big impact. Now that's say we don't have to suffer through things. And I'm going to, I have no filter, so I'm just going to go straight go for it. vaginal stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> and sex in menopause. But it is, you know, I've had women come up to me and be surprised about the vaginal issue, like vaginal dryness. Dryness, it's yeah. A very common issue. Having more UTIs, having like a painful sex, like those things are things that we don't talk about that are reality for many women. Yep. And after women come up to me and just after a lecture that I've given saying, oh my God, I did not know this. Like this has been impacting me so much. And her, whoever her doctor was, did not mention solutions. And there are solutions. There's estrogen rings. There's like, yep. there's a lot of things that we can do for the some of the physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. The anxiety part, there is anxiety medication. I went on anxiety medication for a short period of time because I needed it. Because yeah, I could. And so it is important to know that we take away that stigma of the things to actually get help for things that can be treated mm-hmm. just because you get on anxiety meds or antidepressants for a period of time because your body's going through some stuff in your mind. It doesn't mean that you are actually going on them forever. Right. And I think it's important to mention that, especially anti-anxiety and, you know, with antidepressants, there's a, a different, different thing. You can't just go off of them, but anti-anxiety meds, you can on them you can go off them you need mm-hmm. them, right it's important to note that we have to have a conversation around it's not forever it's a transition and that menopause is not a linear thing it right. is very much a roller coaster and it goes in a loop it goes up it goes down and there might be some straight but then it takes you straight back up onto the loop and then you're going backwards just <laughs> when you thought it was done and it is And you don't know what's coming your way. So it's not like we can prepare for the next thing, but to know that there's help. Now, the body image stuff, obviously, there isn't a pill you can take. There isn't a, there's nothing you can really get help with besides working with someone that can help you through that stuff. Like there are plenty of professionals, I, me included, like I love working with women that struggle with that because it is something that we've been carrying all of our life. And in menopause, even women that didn't have body image issues before tend to have it then because the dread is right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And so having those conversations and just being able to say, there are things that you can do. And then there's help that you can get with the things that we can't address, like physical symptoms where there is Mm -hmm. help. And I know, you know, hormone therapy is being thrown around for as the cure for everything. And that's just not true. It works very specifically for certain things such as hot flashes. Yes. And for a Jenna ureter, that, that one is a, a tongue problem. Jenna. So. <laughs> anyway, GSM. That's a hard one. <laughs> it's very specific, right? Yeah. Hormone therapy is known to be very effective for hot flashes and night sweats, but it's not been shown to be effective for any of the other things that it's being thrown at. So it's just, there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to that. But that to say, there's things 
where women can get help. There are great menopause practitioners out there. You can go on the the North American Menopause Society website. Yep. Find a menopause practitioner. Yeah. On your zip code. Put your zip code in. That is a resource I tell everyone. Go on there, find someone that has gone through the additional training of menopause because most doctors are not, they don't have a lot of extra menopause knowledge. And yes. sadly, and I know how to, I don't know how it is with your clients, but unfortunately, many of my clients report being dismissed when they go to their doctor, right? And so yep. it is important to find someone that actually cares. Yeah. And will and, listen and take the time. Thank you for sharing that. That's a fantastic thing to share. And I'll put it in the show notes so that women can have access to that site too. Because that is our, I stay in my lane. I know what I am and I know what I'm not. And so, and I think that that's also important because there's many of many fitness professionals and men that are, they try to give advice on everything and you just need to stay in your lane. But it is important to have all these resources where you can, if you're looking for a doctor, here's a great resource you can have. If you're looking for a nutritionist, here is a place you can go. I've gone through the certification for fitness nutrition specialist. I don't give any nutrition advice because I'm not a dietitian. I haven't gone through that rigorous amount and it's not my specialty. Again, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm, what I know. Staying in your lane and knowing to refer out. Yeah, and and that is the most important part, having that referral where you can Mm -hmm. say, here is someone that you can use for this and here's someone that you can use for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that get your network, get your team together. That's important during menopause more than it was ever before. Maybe even before like me. Oh, sure. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Because I do think that there's things, had I started earlier, paying attention to all the things that are helpful, I think that I would have maybe had it a little bit easier. At least I wouldn't have been so caught off guard. Like I know that in perimenopause, all of those things can pop up too. The anxiety rage, feelings that you weren't used to. And I, like you shared with you with anxiety, the same thing happened to me, not so much anxiety, but just kind of like a lackluster feel. And I'm someone who's like a go attack the whole freaking day. What else can we do? What else can we do? Just because I like to go see do. (laughs) I found myself a few years ago, wondering why the thought of going on a hike with friends or going on some epic adventure didn't seem quite as fun as it used to. And I, you know, I like sat down one day and just had a little conversation with my husband and and I I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know if it was the times we were in a few years ago or, you know, what it was, but it just was like all of a sudden gone. And then I was like, I've never felt this way in my whole life. What is this? Is this depression? Is this like, I have have no drive, no motivation. And that's just that, that's scary when you are used to thinking, oh, well, that happens to other people, not me. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, what is this? Right? 100%. And I think that those are the symptoms that sneak up because Mm -hmm. they're not often talked about as a possible symptom, but in fact, are a very large part of symptoms. Yeah. Those mental symptoms like the anxiety, the depression, the mood changes, the brain fog Mm -hmm. is just, I mean, (laughs) most women report that and you can kind of deal with it a little bit. But when you're like, and you made a good point, when your identity almost 
is anchored in a certain thing. Like you're saying, I like to go to places and I like to do all this thing. And I like to, and suddenly that's gone. Or for someone that is really brainy, that is just like their brain is kind of like their thing, college professors or lecturers or anybody that works in anything that way, that's their thing, right? The intellectual aspect. And suddenly it feels like their brain is being held hostage and words just disappear. Gone. Like you had them. And then the menopausal cloud just takes it away. There it went. Floating. Exactly. That can be a a true identity crisis because you then are like, well, if if this is how it's going to be, who am I without that? Yeah. We tend to go down that rabbit hole. And that's where it's essential to kind of be like, okay, hold on. Like, this is where we're at now, but I know this isn't permanent. Like, that's That's a good reminder. Keeps me going as well. Always. There it went. And I tell people, and we are, we have to be honest about these. And given that in my industry, right, I can wear workout shirts all day and I can go, even when I go to conferences, it's generally a fitness conference or it is something movement related. But for people that are in a professional setting that are surrounded by people that don't understand, it's not as easy to come up and say, well, I'm menopausal and here's these things that will happen. But we should be having those conversations where we can say, look, I tend to lose thoughts. It just happens. It'll come back or it won't, but I'll have a new thought. And I make fun of it when I'm in mid-sentence and just there it went. And I'm saying, well, there it went. It must have not been important. I mean, it'll come back or it won't. There it went. (laughs) But it's a little easier in our world, I feel, than is some of these women that are high-powered somewhere uh, that are in, a, in an environment where that becomes a true crisis of who they yeah. are yeah. professionally personally. Yeah. And those are the challenges that we have to talk about that are wide-ranging that can't be fixed by getting doing more yoga or doing more meditation. But it can be addressed by having a community and having these conversations that we're having now. And I know there's a lot of people that are doing great work in work, workplace wellness to increase yes. menopause care. We have yep. a long way to go, but that's how we do it. So having, like you said, community, like that's community yeah. and honest conversations where we're not afraid to talk about the periods that yeah. are like, you yeah. know. Well, I mean, periods of- are becoming more, it's still an industry that we're in that we hear it more, but coaches and athletes, young athletes are starting to have the conversations a lot younger now. Whereas before it was taboo to ask someone if they were on their period or where they were in their cycle. It's becoming more common now because I think we're starting to make it known that, yep, a women's physiology is affected by hormones and where they are in life. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I have to tell you that I teach yoga (laughs) and I think 90% of my classes... I get through, you know, a whole big sequence on one side and we go to the other side and I'm like, well, shit, I don't have a freaking clue where we were. And I'll look around the room and somebody who's not having the brain fog will just start to go there. And I'm like, yep, thank you. That's where we are. (laughs) And they just think I'm the biggest flake. And I, I feel strange about standing there and saying, no, I've, I have half a brain. (laughs) Well, but you know what? It is important. I think what's important is for us in the position that we are at to not pretend that it's not happening because clients and people that that look for you to you for advice or for guidance, if they yeah. all we see is, it's the same as with body image, right? If all we see is instructors that have the ideal body and we don't see instructors that are a normal size right. or 
bigger body, then it's normalized that that's what I want to look like because of that. And and that's she probably doesn't have any menopause symptoms. And unless we actually have these yeah. conversations with our clients and with all everyone around it, I am the menopause lady now. Any conversation I start will end up in menopause somehow. That's never- so cool. Because otherwise. You do think, oh, she probably doesn't have any symptoms. I have a lot of them, given that I I have my share and other people have their share and mine aren't worse than someone else's. And you can't compare. Also, people tend to compare. Well, like, No, my it's a unique situation. Yeah. Exactly. But we, I think, I take my role very serious in having those conversations, just saying, no, this isn't true. I mean, I feel I take care of myself. I've taken care of myself my entire life. I... I don't monitor my food. I'm an in- intuitive eater. Mm-hmm. I don't work myself out to death. Like I don't work out nearly as much as I used to because I have a lot of injuries. I have a lot of, yeah, when you don't sleep, you can't Same. work. Those are the conversations we have to have where we say, this isn't an easy ride for me, but we're trying to make it through by talking about it and I, and by having an attitude that is, I hate to say a positive attitude will make things go away, but a positive attitude does make things a little easier because you're just not absolutely as a doomy, gloomy experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's not like we're playing Pollyanna sweeping it under the carpet, but it does, your mindset is going to help you a little bit with everything. You get a flat tire on the side of the road. You can either cry or you can be like, well, shoot, how are we going to fix this so we can get to where we're going, right? Yes. Incredibly important to remember that. And it is also, see, I had a thought and I was going to say something and it's gone, but it'll probably come back. Okay. But so I'm going to ask you while you're thinking about it, would, if you were me in front of your yoga students, would you say menopause brain? Absolutely. Guys, girls, anybody? Yes. Everybody. First of all, everybody would already know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if we take ownership of it, then it doesn't, otherwise it seems like you're ashamed of your experience, like, oh my God, it doesn't make me as knowledgeable. It doesn't make yeah, me... or professional. I usually laugh mine off and make a joke out of it and say like, I should probably not go on vacation anymore. I use humor to diffuse almost everything. But I think I, I you know, I'm teaching later this afternoon. When I mess up again, mm-hmm. I'm pulling it out. Yes. And then it be- just becomes known and it isn't a big deal because yeah. you... Getting ahead of it by saying this is just something that possibly happened and it might happen, it might not. But when it happens, it isn't because I wasn't prepared. It is just and as if you you've been in the industry for a long period of time, if you're confident enough to say if that didn't work out, then I'll I know what to do next. It's not like I need to follow the sequence and now I don't remember. Like it's not a test that we're failing, but when you've done it for so long, you just improvise and you do the next thing. But it also I Again, I think my point is really that if we as messengers can't talk about our own experience and not feel shame attached to it or some sort of, yeah, like you said, like losing credibility in any shape or form, then it's there's a problem because we are the ones that are spreading the message. So we should be the first ones to say, yeah, I went on a walk the other day and suddenly my pants were all bloody because I didn't have a period for six months. I didn't think I needed to prepare to go on a walk. (laughs) Like those things are important. Like we have to be able to say that and not feel any kind of like, Ooh, yeah, that's gold. That is gold. Mm -hmm. If you are uncomfortable talking to me or listening to my experience and you just keep on walking, but this, these are (laughs) conversations we have to have. 
Okay. We can't joke. I love it. I'm all about humor. I very rarely take myself serious. Mm-hmm. And if I'm serious, it's real serious. But when we use, I think there's been this self-deprecating menopause humor, which I'm also find very disturbing. Ah. A little bit. Okay. It's that whole, everything's ha ha ha, hot flashes, this is getting hot in here and we can laugh it off. But it's being used by other people as well of just like, well, that's just all it is. We can just laugh about it and we can move on. When the reality is that hot flashes can be incredibly detrimental to women's quality of life. Like we make too much fun of it. And the whole narrative is around, let's just laugh it off. Then it becomes a problem. And this is not what to what you said. I think. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Important when we're teaching. Mm -hmm. But the messaging that's been out there, you know, there's like menopause cabarets and menopause and it's all about that comedy aspect of it and i think it's been going on for a long time so that exists and i think that's great but we also need to be serious not serious about just talking honestly about the experiences and how it can be and humor is a vessel that will help us get through it Um, i don't know how to not use it but <laughs> I don't think you should, but that's I think- just me. But I think that the transparency needs to be a thing of like, even if I'm going to use my jokiness, I'm still going to, I'm going to relay the importance, I think, of what it is. I've shared, I used to have some epic experiences before menopause, before, <laughs> before my period wasn't any longer of going to teach a class somewhere and taking care of business right before my class. And then in the middle of my class, I'm hemorrhaging. And you're standing there in front of 25 men and women. And you're just like, what What do I do? I'm just going to carry on. Show's going to go on. And then afterwards, I'm going to go silently die, (laughs) change my clothes, and hope that they don't remember me forever for that. (laughs) I I know. I... As women, I think most women probably have, have, have some experience in their past that is similar, right? Yeah. And we were talking before the show about the period aspect of it all of just, it was really traumatic to get your first period. Mm-hmm. You, never, you didn't know when it was going to be. At some point it would be. And most everyone, I know, I don't say it was ever, I bet that a lot of women had a traumatic experience when that first period came and it came out of nowhere in the worst, obviously worst place ever. The same is happening now in menopause when we don't know. And a lot of times, you know, women go 10 months without a period and just for it to just kind of start back up. And you're like, zero, giving all my coins back because now it's starting from scratch again. But it comes at, are you supposed to be always prepared? I am. (laughs) (laughs) But you have kind of have to. It's like, okay, well, I think I'm done, but I'm not. And so those are the things that we need to talk about when we're talking about the menopausal transition. And just to say, like, I know, I think I didn't, and this is where my thought came back. But when you were asking earlier about just what to do or what are some strategies we can use? Perfect. We can really say that we know one thing, women that move better feel better. This isn't a like better than everybody else, better than not moving for one person. This is not a comparison. We know that strength training is incredibly important. It is very powerful for body composition. It's powerful for body image. It's powerful for your muscles, for your health. There is nothing quite like strength training when it comes to your physical and mental well-being. Mm -hmm. So how to get women to strength train is incredibly important. 
We know that walking is really beneficial for mental health. We know so there's a lot of things that we know are true and those we have to lean in on. When we're not looking at hormone therapy or we're not looking at things is what is a tangible thing that you can do, a sustainable thing that you can do that we know works. And that's where the trick comes in, right? Because you're yep. a fitness professional. How do you get women that dislike gyms or weights? How do you get them to work out or how do you get them to lift or to do strength training? And that is, it's unavoidable. You have to strength train. That is the one thing that I, there's a non-negotiable. Yes, we that's the word to, that was in my head. <laughs> we have to figure out though how to get it. Mm-hmm. Our messaging currently, as I said earlier, is all about lift heavy, leap lift this, like lift heavy, lift heavy, lift heavy, but don't forget to do high intensity intervals as well. And don't forget to do your cardio as well, because it's very important, but don't go over 40 minutes because over 40 minutes, your cortisol will kill you. Like, so now we're at that, in that realm where the weeds, we're in the weeds. 90% of women reach out to me. They're like, I've done all the courses. I've read all the things. And now I know nothing because now I feel like I have to do it all. And I don't have time to do meditation, the yoga, the strength training, the high intensity training, and also maybe do something that I like to do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my advice to women is always, you just have, it's one tiny baby step. Let's figure out how we can get resistance training in. And that is the big thing. We know heavy lifting is great for you, but you also don't start heavy lifting tomorrow. You don't, no. And so, but it is that fear is, I think, called analysis paralysis, right? When we have so much information and data that now we're not able to take any steps or make any decisions. Right. And I think that that's happening a lot to women currently, at least most of the women that reach out to me, that is where they're at. Like, I just don't know what to do. And then we just have to take a big step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at where do we start? And starting could be one time a week, two times a week. 20 minutes, 10 minutes, little steps. You can't just jump right in. And so those that's kind of like that core of what it is doable, it is sustainable, and it is something that actually works. So when we're looking at action items, one thing. Yep. Second one is you have to continue doing the things that you love to do. You have to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And when I'm getting to know somebody working with a client for the first time, those are discussions we have. Like, what do you like to do? Because I'm not going to throw in something that you vehemently don't want to do. I want to incorporate something that you like to do where it's going to actually make an impact. And then that's sustainable, right? Yeah, without it, it's not sustainable. It's not. And this is back to my point to the, we already know what works for us or what doesn't. We're old enough. We're not teenagers that are just starting out with something. We have been on all the diet trends, all the workout fads. We've done it all, right? And let's just go back and see what did we enjoy from our past because there is a history that you have that no one else has. What is it that you like to do? And it doesn't have to be what's being thrown at you at Instagram or Facebook or wherever else you get your inspirations. It doesn't have to be an influencer that now shows you a new way to whatever, whatever. But why don't, again, self-reflection, what is it that you may have done? I I like to use this time and I 
tell everyone, this is a time to reinvent yourself. This is a time to find maybe joy of something that you used to really enjoy. I, I used that. to love racquetball, but I used I grew up in Germany and it was a lot easier to play there because okay. it's just not as available here. When I moved to the States, for whatever reason, life happens, I stopped playing racquetball. And I recently, within the last year, reconnected with it. And it was such a, it was like a, oh my God, where have you been? <laughs> like a long lost friend. I just yeah. enjoy it so much. Same with roller skating. I was just going to say roller skating was mine. <laughs> it, you know, some people, I uh, also another thing, I was all in the 90s step aerobics craze, loved it. I just really okay. enjoyed it. There was a whole aspect to the, there was movement, there was some dance, right? Not dance, but like the choreography, the community of it all. Yeah. I loved it. Like those are the things where I know that there's something in your past that you really enjoyed that you're not doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Find that. And I dare all of your listeners to do that. Just take a minute two minutes, take an hour, grab a drink or a coffee or something and really think about what is it that you enjoy that you're not doing it anymore and why are you not doing it anymore? And I think it will give a lot of answers onto maybe something that you want to rediscover, maybe something that you want to do again. I think that's Uh, super cool. Yeah, I really like that. And I can tell you, I don't even have to think long about the roller skating for me. I think it's, Number one, that you don't see many roller skates anymore. (laughs) And then number two, where would I do it? I'd have to find a smooth path because I definitely don't want to get hurt. (laughs) So maybe it's a little bit of fear of holding me back. Sure, there's a roller skating run somewhere. When I turned 40, so I'm about to be 51. But when I turned 40, I told my husband, I want a birthday party at the roller rink and I want 80s music and all the nasty neon we can find. and." He thought I was joking. (laughs) (laughs) He thought it was a joke because I joke around a lot. But that roller rink closed. And there's like, I don't know of any. Do you have one by you? Yes, we do. You do? It's all of that. What you just said. It's bad lighting, horrible body. Yeah. It's it's not. It's like carpet that's probably still from the 80s. Uh And I go every week with my daughter. No. Oh, come on. Yeah. Like this is something that we started doing once a week. It's our skating night. And she, it's just, and that's where I reconnected. Wow. She said, well, how do we get something in there? And we actually have several skating rinks here. So you have to come to Austin apparently to get us. A- Gosh, I guess so. Okay. Well, I, if I put that on my uh, travel plans, we're going to go skating because <laughs> I was the queen. I did. I just put on shows out in the yard or, you know, our front yard. Like I, oh, the jacket, pretty pink second satin jacket. Look at if anybody that watches this video later, like the joy that just came over <laughs> your face. And that's usually what people's reaction is when I work with them. And that kind of like comes that memory because mm-hmm. it's always positive. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh my God, the, the outfit, how silly they were and the hair and the yeah. oh yeah. All of that. But there's usually, hopefully, a positive memory attached to it. And that's what we need to bring back. And no influencer anywhere will give you that. Absolutely. They won't. So it's just I try to make this part now more about helping people trust themselves. Again, mm-hmm. we need to. Start disconnecting from other people's advice and to trust that what we feel 
is actually what is going on. And what we want is what we want. And it you don't have to justify it to someone else. Right. And that's a huge thing to making a big leap into a positive menopause experience. I bet that you are already full of wisdom that no one can give you. And we just need to figure out how to get that out of you. Like to learn to trust yourself. Right. Yeah. And then wouldn't it be phenomenal if we could do that for our younger generation too, so that they don't have to wait until 50 to dial into that? 100%. And that the I think the task, the big task at hand is to get the menopause conversation to women before they hit menopause, right? Because we don't know when it starts. We kind of know that drop zone is somewhere in the mid 40s. Mm-hmm. You kind of are entering that territory if you're not. So I think 45 is a safe bet to say you're slowly entering the realm yep. of it. But most women don't, and I don't want anybody to worry about, but they don't think that they have to know anything about it in their early 40s or late 30s. But many women go through menopause for whatever reason, right? It's like women have hysterectomies, women have chemotherapy. There's other reasons on why you may go into menopause abruptly. Yep. Why can't we have menopause be a conversation that we have with women in their 30s and even early 40s to know that it's just something that just knowledge, not to, to make them afraid of anything. Yeah. Just the knowledge that it is a thing. My daughter already knows about menopause just because I talked to her about hot flashes and she's seen my crazy periods and she's really concerned about it. I've gotten treatment for that. So I'm on top of that. But those conversations, she's seven. Does she need to know about menopause? Yes, she does. Because it's, it's going to be so advantageous because it's not going to be a scary, overwhelming thing, right? And that that's the thing. When you can have, you just set an example, just like when your people's moms talked about diets when they were tiny and they were looking in the mirror. They may not have done it all the time, but that I bet you there's a tiny little seed that just went in your head saying, why is mom talking about a diet or why, you know, like that. It's the same. We can do the same in the positive way. It's just why was this thing and why was that a good experience? You don't have to have long conversations about it, about biology and things and and but just that experience, she sees me go through this and she doesn't, I'm honest about it. I said hot flashes and I get hot and I have no longer have periods, but she sees me have a positive attitude towards yeah. it. And yeah. I do joke about it a lot, but she knows that there's something going on that I'm going through a change and we do the best we can. And I help other women do that. And she talks about to her school about fitness and menopause, which is very cute. because Bless yeah. her heart. <laughs> I feel the same way talking to my daughter, my sons also about building muscle mass. Like, had I known how important having nice lean muscle mass was back in the day, I would have started a lot. I would have, I would not have gone down the endurance junkie road and have done this a lot earlier. So I'm on a mission to share that with younger people. And I think that maybe the difference between you and I and our parents' generation is that they didn't quite share because it was a little more taboo. Those were private conversations. And so... I don't know. We're pretty candid, I find, in speaking to our children and the younger people. And I, th- I think that's probably a damn good thing. 
it it can only be good, right? It just anything that comes from a positive place cannot be a negative thing. It's anything yeah. that is from a negative place, right? Yeah. And so I think having my daughter really has changed also my conversation with myself. But it's there's a hyper focus, right, on what, like you said, how do we want our children and the next generation to feel about their experience and to feel about, like you said, the importance of muscle. It's just my daughter, she does this. She works out with me. A few yeah. follow, always so randomly a video of her. But I've taken her with me since she was literally out of the womb and I was ready to go back to teaching in that baby born. All she's seen is how positive is it in the community that I've built around it. So not making it a like, oh, I have to go work out, but like an actual joy factor that comes in. Yeah. So now she goes around and she's like, look at my double bumps. I have double bumps. Like, Oh, that's darling. <laughs> and you go, girl, double bumps. That's strong. Double bump and, it up. <laughs> but, you know, and it, again, it doesn't have to be an obsession of like, you have to go work out or you have to do, but creating a positive message and narrative around it. And the same counts for menopause or any stage in our life. And so... I'm glad that you're having these conversations and I'm having obviously the conversation obviously, with yeah. everyone. <laughs> hear it. The grocery um, store checkout person. Okay. I have a question for you. Anything, if they mention anything, I will dive right Built in. It. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm learning from you. And so <laughs> I won't be, I won't be so shy. I have a question for you on your website. You have a super cool quiz. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and you you're good. Your, no, I haven't taken it yet, but I, I, because I wanted to ask you about it first. See, your quiz is about your menopause fitness personality. What the heck does that mean? Tell us. Well, it is actually, it took a real, I, I started out as a, let's just do a quiz just for fun. And it turned out to be a really long process of actually trying to do something that worked. Like, there, we did a lot of work on this, and I have a co conspirator with this. Okay. But, we do. There's a lot of questions that deep dive into your thoughts about menopause, your physical activity, your body image. So this isn't just a like, do you like green or red? It is based <laughs> on a lot of knowledge and psychology. So I did a lot of work on this. I'm very proud of it. Super and cool. it's supposed to be fun too. So the personalities at the end are fun, but it should give you a little, hopefully it, it, fits. Obviously, this isn't a scientific anything and it might not fit you. I've had people email me saying, this is nothing like the person that I am. And I'm like, okay, well, it's, I mean, it's a quiz. I mean, I'm not giving you... Maybe they didn't answer. Maybe they answered how they thought they were supposed to answer. And that is another part because some of these questions that are in there, you have to answer honestly. And if you don't answer them honestly, it will catapult you into a straight different category, right? Because everything's kind of Sure. If you answer this, then this is. And if you answer that, so it, it's taken. Okay. I can't wait to go take it. Yeah. I'd love to hear what comes out and everyone take it. I yeah. do love the feedback of it. Yeah. And yeah. It is. So it's not a, it's not one of those. Yeah. What color are you? But a <laughs> an actual, I want it. Or dogs. <laughs> I want, yeah. I wanted people to think about, like, actually think. The questions are made on purpose for a reason to kind of help you maybe get on that path of self-discovery. Okay. I'm going to put your website into the show notes and everybody needs to go take that quiz. We're going to, you're, you're just going to get bombarded. (laughs) We're going to see where we fit in. (laughs) I am. So I always mention my email that people should email me and I mean it. I don't just say it. Like I love hearing from women because the only reason I am where I'm at 
And the path that I go is because I, I want to know. This isn't a like, tell me about your blah. I want to know because I use that knowledge to share it. Mm-hmm. And we that's how we become better. And this is how we become more informed. So if anybody in your audience has a question or wants to just send me a comment about their quiz or anything, Maria at fitnessandmenopause.com, email me. I am responsive, as responsive as I can be, but I will respond. No email goes unresponded. So please, please reach out. I mean, the more open you are, the more we can get out of it. And there's no, no taboo. I talk about everything menopause. So well, we, we love and appreciate that. So I will put that in as well. And then where I, you have great content on your social, you post some really good stuff. You post really good workout stuff. People should go take a look. So where can people find you? I am on Instagram at as Dr. Maria Luque. So Dr. Maria Luque. I am the best content goes out in my newsletter. For sure. I really hone in on that because I want people that want to know. That's where I put my best content and more frequently. Instagram, it's uh, social media is a love hate relationship. So I post as much as I can, but I am also not. We all get it. Exactly right. It's uh, we all get it. Overload, as I wrote today in my newsletter. How do we get our uh, hands on your hot little newsletter? Just go on my website at okay. fitnessmenopause.com and okay. you can either scroll all the way down or hopefully it'll have a pop-up the first time you go on my website to subscribe. Okay. Scroll all the way down. Just subscribe. I promise there's nothing. I don't spam you. It's all things that I just want to share and, and it's concise and to the point. So You're awesome. I really appreciate that. I have one more question for you. When or what makes you feel badass? You can pick when you feel badass. What makes you feel badass? That is a tough question. I feel like a badass all the time, but <laughs> I, except I, with the hot flashes. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel the best, and and this may be a mother thing, but I do feel the best when my daughter makes comments such as like the double bumps or something like that because I feel okay. That my drop, it. I did it. I did. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. Going in the right direction. Like that is when I feel the most joy when I feel like there's something going on or when, when clients share success, like to me, that is when I feel the most fulfilled when I feel like I'm making a difference in some way or form. That's awesome. That's super badass. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Maria Luque for coming on today. I think that you have given us all some real good treasures to take. Knowing that it's temporary, you've said a couple times, it's such a good reminder and that we're not alone. We got a big group of people. So go check her out, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we will see you next time on the Badass Reset Club. Well, there you have it. One step closer to feeling strong, confident, and inspired to take care of you again. And you know what's even more badass? sharing this with a gal pal that might need a little fist pump in her life. If you got some inspo from this episode, I'd be honored if you took a screenshot for your social and tagged me at coach Heather Yancey. So I can send you a personal thank you. And please know that if you could take a minute to rate and review the show, it helps get this podcast to more people. And that's super badass. And finally, if you haven't joined the badass reset club on Facebook, what are you waiting for? I'll see you over there and go get them.